Thank you for tuning in to RTM Nation Online, where we believe that you will receive the abundance of peace, prosperity, security, stability, health, healing, and truth. If you would like to learn more about the ministry, click the link below. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Now let's get into the message. Let's start off this way. You know, when you, when you think about our society, family, our society, you know, when you look at it, the, the season of Easter kind of takes second billing to Christmas. I mean, when you think about it, Christmas, what, what does it have? Christmas has stuff like the colorful lights. It's got the trees all decorated nice. It's got the, the, the wonderful things like, like those gifts that you find under a tree. And even in some regions of our nation, there's even snow. I mean, all that kind of stuff kind of formulates the cocktail, the concoction that kind of, you know, helps set that Christmas mood. And if you have any special love interest, you know, the, the Christmas time don't leave you out. They got a little something called mistletoe. <laughs> in the event you got that certain person that put that gleam in your eye, that make your heart flutter, that make you want to look for them before they even get in the yard. If you got somebody like that, if you stand under the mistletoe, you might get a little smoochy smooch on Christmas. <laughs> right? All of that kind of forms all that cocktail of what we call Christmas. And that season kind of takes top billing over Easter. And you know, I, I, I get it. It's, it's, it's cool. Christmas celebrates the introduction of the prophesied Messiah into the world. And we celebrate that thing. And you know what? We should. As a group of believers, though, we should never, ever lose focus of the fact that Easter represents Jesus' resolve to finish. Easter represents Jesus' job to get it done. Look here. Without a successful finish, we don't have no Christmas. I mean, who would you be celebrating? Without a successful finish, what would you be thankful for? That at least God tried? Talk to me. What would you be thankful for? Would you be thankful for, well, you know, by golly, Jesus gave it a good go? No. An unsuccessful finish does not lend itself very well to gifts and trees with lights and mistletoe and all of that kind of stuff. For us, for us, the biggest deal in Jesus' coming is the very fact that he finished. He finished and he finished strong. So, when you ask me or you ask anybody else, there may be some people that can make a pretty good case that, hey, Easter is the bigger deal. Now, we're not going to draw that kind of comparative ranking here today. But what we will say is that Easter is at least equally as important as Christmas. Easter is 
equally important in the whole scheme of events that came to get us here to this place we call being redeemed. And it is a scheme of events that began all the way back in the book of Genesis. Turn to Genesis chapter 1, King James Version. I'm going to start at verse 26. Let's discuss briefly why Jesus was needed and what he did. Here we'll find that God created everything and then he gets down to creating man and woman who we've come to know as Adam and Eve. Verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image in the image of God created he him male and female created he them. Now, sin, if you go through the whole thing and get to chapter three, Sin entered the world when Adam and Eve kind of carried out the devil's suggestion. They called him a serpent, but the devil influencing the serpent to kind of get these folks to eat, of the, eat fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was an act of disobedience because God had already told Adam to leave that stuff alone. And so when they actually did the act, that was disobeying God. And you know what God did? He handed out judgment to all the parties involved. Gave one to Adam, Eve, and the serpent. But in addition to that, God put the devil on notice right then that his days were numbered. If you look at Genesis chapter 3. Verse 15, King James Version. The Lord's dishing it out and he comes straight up to the serpent. In the second part, he says, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shall bruise his heel. Now, that's an important declaration, family, because what God was saying and what we can observe is that you will notice that the devil introduced sin into our life through a door of conversation with the woman or with Eve. So right here, God was saying, you know what? Through the very door of conversation you entered, I'm going to destroy you. You elected to come in through that door, so that very door is going to produce a seed, and that seed is going to crush your head. Turn to Matthew chapter 1. When God gave that declaration in Genesis 3, that was Jesus' cue to get ready. And over the course of time, eventually, well, we know what happened. Eventually, a baby boy was born to a virgin Mary. Matthew chapter 1, King James Version, verse 18 through 23 reads like this. And now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. 
Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And he shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name. What is his name? Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name. What's that name? Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. This is Matthew's description of how the word became flesh. Matthew's description of how Jesus, who's also called Emmanuel, came to live among, among men. It's Matthew's narr narrative. Narrative of how Jesus entered the world as a newborn baby. It's the narrative that forms the basis of what we call Christmas. And we celebrate that, that point in time. Why? Because, once again... It's worth celebrating. Furthermore, I look at it this way. If I stand back and I kind of, for a split second, take my believer's robe off, for a split second, if I'm just, you know, a regular guy, socially, I can see how if you put Christmas and Easter side by side, how you'd want to celebrate all the events surrounding Christmas more so than you want to publicize all the events surrounding Easter. I mean, you, you can really see how, you know, the birth of a little baby. I just heard a little baby cry. Just, just uh, <laughs> like, you know, the birth of a little baby. Everybody, whenever you see a real cute baby, even grown men, when they see the picture, what they say? Oh, see, you already know what they say. Oh, so you can see how if you're going to advertise something, if you're going to plaster some things around, hey, Christmas compared to Easter is the thing to do it. I, I really can see how one could actually say, how could you, how could anybody want to celebrate? How would anybody want to celebrate an image of an innocent man shedding blood and that same innocent man being hung up high and stretched wide and crucified? Who in their right mind would want to even entertain celebrating that? And then I slip back on my believer's robe and say, listen, I don't know who would celebrate it, but everybody should. Amen. Don't know who would celebrate it, but everybody should. Because that innocent man that we talking about, that innocent man that shed blood, that innocent man that died, he didn't just die. That same man resurrected. And when he resurrected, my Bible tells me that he stuck his chest out and he said, I have all power. All power has been given unto me. 
in heaven and on earth. But that's not all. You see, when that man got up, he gave birth to something. He didn't just get up. He gave birth to something. There is a unique parallel between Christmas and Easter. Family, Christmas is not the only time God used the vehicle of Jesus to usher in new life into the world. We like to see it that way, but that's not the only time God did that. The innocent man that was up on that cross, that man was pregnant spiritually. That man was pregnant and he was pregnant with new life. And when he got up, when he resurrected, when he got up with all power, that man birthed that new life. He birthed new life for me. He birthed new life for you. He birthed new life for every person. He birthed new life for every nation. When Jesus got up with all power, he birthed new life for whosoever. When he got up, he birthed new life for whosoever was willing to believe in him. Listen to how John Jock documents Jesus' inclusion of whosoever. Say whosoever. John writes clearly that my God was not exclusionary. If you were willing to open up your heart, if you were willing to confess with your mouth and believe on him, the blood of Jesus is open and available to everybody. And by everybody, we mean whosoever. John chapter 3, verse 14, King James Version. This is Jesus talking to Nicodemus. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that here is our word, whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Go to John chapter 4, verse 13, King James Bible. Jesus talked to a woman of Samaria once at a well. And this is what he said. Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, talking about natural water. But then he turns around and flips the script and said, whosoever drinketh of the water I shall give. Whosoever drinketh of the water I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And both of those hymns there represent whosoever. Go to John chapter 11, verse 26, King James Version. This is Jesus talking to Martha before he went and raised Lazarus from the dead. John 11, verse 26, Jesus says to her, 
and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believeth thou this? <laughs> Including whosoever. John chapter 12, verse 46, King James Version. Jesus says, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Jesus offers new life, and I'm so glad that he offers that new life to whosoever. I'm so glad it almost makes me want to shout that you know what he didn't do? He didn't put any race or ethnicity on it. I'm so happy he didn't put a color of skin on it. I'm happy he didn't put any education on it. He didn't say you had, a, had to have a PhD or even a GED or any kind of D. All you need to have was belief in the blood of Jesus and you have access. I'm so glad he didn't put any kind of restriction on it. He said whosoever, he didn't put any financial status on it. He didn't put no family status on it. I'm so glad he said, whosoever will, let him come. He's offering new life to whosoever. I'm glad his offer stands without strings. I'm glad his offer stands without any hidden agenda. Therefore, all people should celebrate that Jesus was willing to shed his blood. All people should celebrate the fact that he was willing to die. And everybody should shout for joy. Do your best church boy dance over the fact that he resurrected. And he didn't just resurrect. He resurrected with all power to give whosoever new life. He rose victorious and offers new and eternal life to whosoever is willing to come to the Father through him. When you really look at those seasons, Christmas and Easter, our reason to celebrate them both is great and they align perfectly. Both of them focus on Jesus, also called Emmanuel, also called the Lamb of God. And both of them deal with God introducing new life into the earth. They just deal with different sides of Jesus's earthly existence. Christmas is the beginning. Easter deals with the end. Both of them highlight two inseparable parts of God's redemption plan. And if I were to summarize them for you, I would give you these two step statements. Two statements that kind of link those two. We will call them holidays or seasons or whatever you want to call them that link the two together. The first statement is, if Jesus were never born, Christmas, then the lamb could have never died 
so that we could come alive. Easter. One more time, if Jesus was never born, Christmas, then the lamb could have never died so that we could come alive, Easter. What's another statement I would give you? Christmas celebrates the day the lamb was given life on earth, while Easter celebrates the day the lamb gave life to all on earth. One more time. Christmas celebrates the day the lamb was given life on earth, while Easter celebrates the day the lamb gave life to all on earth. God's master plan was to provide an open door for every man, every woman, every child, whosoever, to come into a loving relationship with him through an open door. What Adam and Eve did when they got themselves all mixed up into that introduced sin into the world. It introduced a debt, a sin debt that no man could pay back. The man couldn't pay back with an animal sacrifice. The man couldn't pay it back with works or his own efforts. A man couldn't pay it back with his own physical sacrifice. You've probably heard it said like this if you've been in church for any length of time or even listen to, to certain gospel songs. Sin left on the world a crimson stain. There was sin on the world that had a debt on it that no man could pay. But I thank God that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was not only fully man. Jesus was also Emmanuel. God with us. And what no man could pay, the blood of Jesus was able, able to pay and pay in full. The blood of Jesus, what it did and continued to do, Emmanuel's blood had the power to move a person from sinner to righteous. Has, had and has the power to move a person from guilty to redeemed. I've told you all before, but for those who don't know, I grew up kind of in a family that had Two, two feet in two denominations, denominations. My father's side of the family and my father was Baptist. So, you know, we always went to the cross. <laughs> my mother's side was Methodist. And they could sing hymns so slow that it'd make you cry. <laughs> but in both, in both of those areas, I always heard a hymn. And that hymn has words in it that says something along these lines. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. And I also love the way it's put in Isaiah. 
Isaiah chapter 1, King James Version, verse 16. It says, wash you, this is talking about what God will do, wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes, cease to do evil, okay, you do all that, Here's what God's going to do. Learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now and let us read them together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Truly the blood of Jesus does a complete work. And we will close this portion of our Easter service with communion. I'm certain everyone here has been given their communion. And as you prepare your communion, allow me to read something for you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23 the Amplified Classic. It reads like this. Paul writes, For I received from the Lord himself that which I passed on to you. It was given unto me personally that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was treacherously delivered up, and while his betrayal was in progress, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to recall me affectionately to remembrance. Similarly, when supper was ended, he took the cup also saying, this cup is the new covenant ratified and established in my blood. Do this. As often as you drink it, to call me affectionately to remembrance. So here we go, family. The Bible says that Jesus on the brink of being betrayed looked at his disciples that were there and he took bread. And he break that bread. So if you have your bread, go ahead and just break it for me. The break in that bread represents his body that was broken, represents his body that was bruised, represents his body that was broken down for us. He says, as often as you eat of this bread, that you should do it in remembrance of him. Please eat of it now. He also took a cup and he said that this represents my blood that's going to be shed for you. The blood that's going to ratify, that puts into effect a new covenant. 
And he asked that they drink this, and as often as they do it, to do it in remembrance of him. Please drink of it now. So, I'll say this to you. It is with grateful hearts looking across all the spectrum of what transpired to get us to the place to being able to be redeemed. That looking at both Easter and Christmas, we're just simply happy for all the parts that came together to get us in the position for us to be called children of God. The only difference with today is that we are paying special attention to the blood that saves. In closing, I will leave you with this. I don't want anyone to leave here, not that you will, but I want to make sure, I always want to make sure not to leave anything hanging out there. Everyone here should know that you don't have to wait till Easter or to another special quote-unquote holiday to take communion. You can take communion anywhere you are. You can take communion anytime you want. You can take communion in your own house, take communion in your car, take communion in your backyard, take communion in the middle of the mall in the back booth in Chick-fil-A if you want to. <laughs> you can take communion anytime any place you want to. You don't have to wait to come to church. You don't have to wait for your pastor to give communion out. Communion can be on your time, in your location, with whoever it is surrounding you, even by yourself. The only thing that, that is said is that whenever the Spirit of God moves you to take communion, that you do it in remembrance of Jesus. In remembrance of the bruises he took. In remembrance of the blood he shed. In remembrance of the crucifixion that had him lifted high and stretched wide. And in remembrance of the simple fact and the truth that he didn't just die. He resurrected and he got up with all power. Now, family, we're going we're gonna to pray and then we're going to prepare to enjoy whatever God has put into the hearts of the younger members of our congregation. God bless you. Let's pray. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you. If you would like to help us further expand the vision, simply text the word GIVERTM to the number 41444 or visit us online at www.revealingtruth.org. Now remember, Jesus loves you.